0: together, and I'm glad that we can sing what is true. Um, In John 4, I think we talked a little while ago about um, how we should be worshipers that God seeks. And so today, um, whether that's in your job, whether you're looking for a job, or you're a spouse, or a a father, or a wife, or a mother, or whatever your circumstance is, that um, you can sing these words that are true. So we get, to, we get to lift that up together. And that's not only a privilege, but an honor that the Lord would seek that from us. So let's, let's sing together.
1: up in this house. Amen. Yeah. Guys, say hello to those around you. We're so glad you're here. welcome Welcome. everybody alive a little bit yep all nine of you it's good to, it's good to hear um no I guys it's a it's a this is a great place and and you guys sound great and Jesus is greater I don't know i I feel like sometimes every time I get up here I'm like man what could I say but there's nothing else to say Jesus is awesome yeah Um, a couple of things I want to share with you. One, if you pass the friendship folders down the rows, one, uh, today, this weekend, we have the utter privilege and honor to recognize our men and women who serve our country. So if we have any veterans in the house, can we just lift them up and just thank God for them? Yeah. Even as a little boy, my grandfather, being in the Navy, worked in the boiler room. He was an engineer. He always taught me we like, Luke, will you always honor our men and women? And I said, yes. And my cousin flies a refueler jet in the Air Force, and so it's thinking my family and my cousin-in-law, Eric, is bringing the message this morning So our very own Eric McElvenny, right? Yep. I did invent that word, so don't look it up. Um, but <laughs> I want to share a few things with you. One is that on November 27th, uh, we're going to be having our Thanksgiving Eve Gathering here in the auditorium at 7 o'clock. And so it's just going to be a night nice of song, of testimony, and uh, communion. So that's going to be on November 27th um, here in seven, at 7 p.m. in the auditorium. It's going to be an awesome time. And then the week of the 18th and the 25th, we're going to be, so back up a week, we're going to have the drop-off week for our operation christmas child boxes so please grab a box i'm seeing that pile go down every single week and it is so exciting not because we can say look at this number but we can say look at all these lives amen or we can see all these lives are going to be changed by jesus christ and so grab a box change a life and i love what deb said last week she said when you grab that box you're a missionary isn't that cool I love that. So make sure you grab a box. If you haven't already, bring it back the week of November 18th through the 25th. And then on the 17th, we're going to be having a packing party in the gym, uh, 530 to 7 o'clock. That's what those little white slips are on the Operation Christmas Child Lobby table. Grab a slip, bring in those supplies. and We're going to have an all-church packing party. There's going to be food, refreshments, and it'll be fun. So grab one of those slips and bring in those supplies on the 17th, and we'll have a church-wide packing party um, in the gym 537 on november 17th um and then super excited to talk about our christmas theater it's gonna be happening in the 6th and 7th of december if you look in your bulletin there's a couple different handouts here's the challenge I would love for you to invite somebody to sit with you you can get your tickets in the lobby or online today um and it, i would encourage you pray for three people so when you look at this grab Grab one of these in your, in your bulletin. If you want more, we can get you more. But and I want to encourage you to pray for three people that you could bring to this dessert theater. Um, my wife and myself and my kids, like we get the privilege to be in it. And the cast is just phenomenal, uh, us aside. No. Maybe just me aside. But um, it's just going to be an awesome time. I am so excited. The songs are fantastic. I've been singing them. My little kids are singing them all week. It's just going to be such a great time. Beth and the team are doing a phenomenal job. And so you can get your tickets online or in the lobby. Grab one of these. Pray for three people. Invite someone to sit with you on the 6th or on the 7th. I'm going to invite Pastor Ken to share about the birthday gift of Jesus. Can we welcome Pastor Ken to the stage? All right.
2: We uh, we are so thankful for this privilege to to continue with our birthday gift to jesus i'd like to ask you to take out the uh, bulletin and you'll see on the insert on the inside is our list this year for our birthday gift to jesus you know christmas is one of those times where you can get really sidetracked by a lot of events a lot of fun things I'm so thrilled for what we're doing here at the church. We keep on mission, bringing people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And as uh, as we do that, one of the things we ask our church people to do is to give to the birthday gift to of Jesus offering. And so at, you know, at Christmas time, you're buying a gift for everybody under the sun, and we forget it was Jesus' birthday. So uh, we ask you to put Jesus at the top of your giving. Uh, make make a gift for jesus and as we do that as you give to this look on the inside of there you'll see ninety thousand dollars worth of projects and uh, as you see that ninety thousand that is our highest goal ever and i want to thank god for that because you know last year we set set our goal i believe it was eighty three thousand and we want well over a hundred thousand can we thank god for that man what a great god we serve this morning and uh, as you look at the list here, you'll see there's a number of people on here. Here's John and Bianca Fowler. John Fowler got saved in this church as a teenager. He came in. He was a disinterested teenager. And uh, God got a hold of his life. He got baptized here. I had the privilege of baptizing him and Bianca. They were high school sweethearts. They went off, got married. Uh, he went into ministry and then on down to Panama he is now the director for Word of Life Panama. Can you believe that? He directs a ministry for an entire country. Somebody that grew up in our church here. We thank God for these opportunities. Uh, You'll notice Josh Watts is on there. Of course, Josh was here a few weeks ago, and he's sharing about his church plant up right here in City Church, Newcastle, Pennsylvania. Caleb York, our former student pastor, planning a church out in Columbus, Ohio. Then you'll see missionaries in Haiti. We're feeding orphans in Haiti, um, You know several missionaries. One of them, uh, towards the bottom, you'll see Kathy Gawker. She has an orphanage in Haiti. That is uh, Tracy Mulhorn's aunt, and uh, we've connected with her, and we're so Thankful to be able to support her. She's been down there for forty years, an unsung hero. Nobody, hardly even knows her name. And and her and her friend have been down there. They are just serving the Lord faithfully. So we want to come alongside them and help them as they feed orphans, as they train them to love God and uh, get the good news out about Jesus. So, what I'd like to ask everyone to do is to take this home and begin to pray. Pray that God would meet the needs for these missionaries because these are real people with real needs kids, you know, missionary families, some of them have multiple children, and we're going to highlight a different one each week for the next six or eight weeks as we lead up to Christmas, and so I want to encourage you to give to that offering, and uh, everything that gives, will, uh, everything that you give will go 100% to those missionaries, and anything that comes in over and above will continue to go to those missionaries. Last year, we exceeded our goal, and it all went out of here to missionaries. Isn't that exciting? What a great God that we serve this morning this time I'd like to ask our ushers to come forward and we'll receive our morning offering Uh, let's begin to pray about our part in this and I think you know what if everybody takes a part if everybody says you know what we're going to do this it's amazing what God will do and God will just bless us so there's no obligation to give in our church ever the church is not about money it will never be about money amen And uh, that's not what we're about. We're about these souls coming to Jesus. There's little kids in Haiti that need to hear about Jesus, but they need breakfast first. They need a bowl of rice before they'll ever hear the name of Jesus. So we need to, this is what God's called us to do in response. So this morning as we give, I want to encourage you to give out of your step of faith. Like, if you've taken this step of faith to give, if you're giving to the birthday gift to Jesus, just mark it, designate it as such, birthday gift to Jesus. who will go to the proper place. But giving in general, if you're giving, it's, it's between you and God. And so, if you're ready to do that, please uh, give to the Lord this morning. Uh, if not, please allow the plate to pass you by this morning. This is uh, out of the abundance of the heart. Amen? Let's go to the Lord this morning, shall we? Father God, we come before you and we thank you. You've been so good to us, Lord. Thank you for the way that you've worked in so many lives. and you, you just keep transforming us all the time. God, I thank you for the many people in the recent weeks that have come to know you as their personal Savior here at the church. God, I pray that uh, you'll continue to do, do your work, not only here but around the globe. Lord, we lift up these missionaries. What a joy it is for us to support them. We ask that you will bless them, Lord, and use us to bless them for your kingdom's sake. In your name we pray. Amen. As we give this morning, I just uh, I just want to thank all the veterans for being here this morning. It's, uh, it's a great weekend, and I've asked Eric McIlvaney, one of our own veterans here uh, who attends church. You know, Eric has been attending this church for almost four years, three, four years now, and uh, I just love hearing his story. And I've asked him to share this morning. But I want you to know Eric is uh, hes a retired Marine Corps infantry officer. And uh, you look that up, that's a whole lot of responsibility. And I'll just say this. He's a tough dude. And uh, he's still a tough dude. And uh, that tough dude, he goes out and he speaks all around the country. He told me this week, I, I met with him earlier this week, and he he left on, I think it was Wednesday, and came back Friday. He said, I took a red eye overnight, got back at 10.30 in the morning on Wednesday uh, from speaking engagements all over the country. And then, uh, and then he spoke here last night at 6 o'clock. Not only that, this man is a humble man. He, he comes here regularly. He goes out, speaks all over the country. And then on Sunday, you know what he does? He comes in and he serves faithfully in the third and fourth grade room. Him and his wife every Sunday are so faithful, and they serve. That's humility, power under control. And I thank God for uh, for Eric Mackewany. Let's thank God for Eric Mackewany this morning, man. What a powerful, powerful man of God. I I think I see the third and fourth grade coming up to hear them. So if you guys want to come on up, get a seat down front here. You you let's welcome the third and fourth graders. His wife's bringing them up, man yeah they're special we love these kids man so um uh, anyhow we're we're just excited about what god's going to do i want you to watch this video that we introduce eric and then let's give him a warm welcome
3: my name is eric mckelvenny i'm a retired marine corps infantry officer i work with san diego state university's troops to engineers program Eric Maclevanie can do anything he sets his mind to. Good morning, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Third and fourth graders, thanks for coming up. I appreciate you guys coming up. How you doing? Hey. So uh, it's awesome. It's a privilege and honor to uh, have the opportunity to to speak over this Veterans Day weekend. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm excited to to have have this privilege. Um, and I, I I get to speak a lot, but I still get nervous. And I I got nervous this morning, and my wife gave me some good advice. She she said when when you get up on stage, don't don't try to be funny. Don't don't try don't try to be cute. Don't try to sound smart. Just be yourself. <laughs> I was like yeah, great. That's how highly she thinks of me. So I'm I'm here, my not funny, not cute, not very smart self to, to share to share with you. I'm still trying to figure out why she married me, but we'll, we'll see. But uh, definitely not a cool privilege to to be able to, to share this Veterans Day weekend with you and and uh, share some of my life and in our, our story. And uh, Veterans Day, little quick quick little history. It. Uh, a hundred years ago, November 11th, 1919, that's where it originated, originated as Armistice Day, a year anniversary after World War I, a year anniversary following World War I. And it's decided to uh, honor that and, and uh, pay respect to the troops who've served. And fast forward a little bit, 1938, uh, that's when it became a national holiday and Veterans Day. And on Veterans Day, we pay tribute to the men and women who have served our country in the military during peacetime uh, and, and conflict. And it uh, differs from Memorial Day. Memorial Day we, we celebrate at the end of May, last Monday of May, and that's where we, we honor the men and women who were killed while serving in the armed forces. So Veterans Day, we have about 18.2 million veterans, military veterans, in our, living, living in our country right now. And I know when I was doing the research to find that number, there, there were some conflicting numbers. So I went around and I counted everyone. And it was it was uh, 18.2 million. <laughs> it took me a week to do that, but uh, it's done. So we got 18.2 million. Nine percent of our military veterans are women. And that is near and dear to my heart because my wife, Rachel, is a Navy veteran, 13 years. So I think, yeah, yeah thank you. I, talk, I talk about my wife a lot and my sister. She's an Air Force veteran. So that's cool. So nine percent women. So I guess that makes 91 percent Man, if you do the math, right? 5% of our population are military veterans. And I thought that was high. That's 1 in 20 when you look around. And I, I think that's cool. Now, many, how many veterans do we have with us today? All right. Quite a few. Thank you. Some up there. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. Thank you so much. And I know when, when I was growing up, I, I loved sports and I looked up to our sports heroes and, you know, the Joe Montanas of, of the time and John Elways and. Bobby Brister's. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of looked up to him, but but really after I, I learned what it was that what our military service members did in the history and the stories of valor and sacrifice, that's when you know that changed a little bit, and I really looked up to to the heroes in uh, in our country. And uh, thank you for that example that, that you've set for me, and I hope that I can be an example for our kids. But. Um, yeah, uh, I I think the first that I want to focus on, or, or what I do want to share, is uh, every every veteran who who did raise their hand today. Um, we probably have some similar stories and experiences, maybe training or this or that. But really, each and every one of our services are very unique, and we have different stories and different experiences. And I, I what I get to do today is share some of mine. I get to share some of mine but uh, I can't share everyone's because I didn't live them. But I I urge you as you go back as you leave church and go back into your community, or if you you have family members who've served in the armed forces, ask them, ask them about their stories, ask them about their experiences. Uh, You'll get some funny stories. You get some, maybe some sad stories, some scary stories, but uh, there are a lot of experiences out there. And um, I know for me, it helps. And I enjoy talking about, about that time in my life. Uh, The verse that I, I want to focus on today uh, is john 15:13. greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends as jesus is talking to his, his disciples about the, the impending sacrifice and really uh that sacrifice that's that's what i th- what i think of and i think about the military veterans that i've uh, i've learned about and um you know i think about sacrifice and selfless service uh, and honor courage commitment and i think about heroes uh, and I'm going to share with you a quick little story of a hero who who I I know. And he, this is I'm going to read to you an award citation. It's kind of cool. You can go on the internet and look them up. And a citation, you know, is when someone's given an award. It's usually for some some type of something amazing. And I'm going to share share this with you right now. Uh, but I want you to stay seated and just just enjoy it. This is to certify that the Secretary of the Navy has awarded the Navy and Marine Corps Achievement Medal with Combat Distinguishing Device to Petty Officer 3rd Class Michael J. Shram, United States Navy, for heroic achievement and the superior performance of his duties while serving as Afghan National Army Tole Advisor Team Corpsman, weapons company 2nd Battalion, 4th Marines, Regimental Combat Team 8, 2nd Marine Division Forward, 2nd Marine Expeditionary Force Forward from August 2011 February 2012 in support of Operation Enduring Freedom. On December 9th, during a partner dismounted patrol, a Marine initiated an improvised explosive device, causing severe bleeding from both legs. Petty Officer Third Class Sharam rushed to the casualty and rendered immediate care with multiple tourniquets. Shortly thereafter, another Marine stepped on a secondary device. Despite the known threat Petty Officer 3rd Class Sharam again rushed through an uncleared minefield in order to reach the second casualty, stabilizing him and coordinating the evacuation for both casualties. His high level of proficiency in expertly treating the wounded undoubtedly saved the lives of two Marines with life-threatening wounds. Petty Officer 3rd Class Shram's initiative, perseverance, and total dedication to duty reflect credit upon him and we're keeping with the highest traditions of the United States, Naval Service. So that was Michael J. Shrum. I, I know him. He is a hero. His name is Mike. And I know him, I know him very well. He lives in Michigan now. He is an, a Navy veteran. He's not in anymore. He's a firefighter, paramedic. He's married. They have a dog. They don't have any kids yet, but they have a dog. That's, that's a lot. That's a good step, right? They, um, he, he has some strange habits, hobbies. He does a lot of cool stuff, but one of them I found out recently, he makes mead. <laughs> mead, it's an alcoholic beverage, <laughs> funny enough, huh? he makes, and it's, I guess it's made from fermented honey instead of grapes, but uh, he does that. And I know him so well, I know him very well, uh, and I've never actually called him Mike, I call him, I call him Doc, because he was our corpsman in our team, and the first Marine that initiated the IED that was on the ground uh, bleeding, uh, that was me, and he came, and he saved my life. And uh, he saved my life. He went and saved, uh, Matthew Miller's life. And, um, yeah, I've got a picture of him right here. Uh, he's a hero. He, he is definitely a hero. And if you would ever meet him, you get to talk to him, uh, he would not call himself a hero. You know, he was just doing his job that day. And, uh, I think it's cool that I have that opportunity to share that story with him and share about a, a true American hero. And he looks cool, doesn't he? Yeah, that's us in Afghanistan. He is a good dude. Alright, I want to rewind a little bit. Why, why did I, want to become a Marine. Uh, so growing up, I grew up in Ross Draver. Uh, went to Belle School District, Belle Vernon High School. My, my mom and my dad are here. Uh, hey, guys, how you doing? <laughs> and um, it was, uh, I, I, I wanted to join the Marine Corps for service. You know, that service was important to me. There were a couple other reasons. You know, Marine Corps uniform looks really good, and uh, I think that's why my wife ended up marrying me, maybe. Because <laughs> it wasn't because I'm smart, cute, or funny. <laughs> now it's... Um, I wanted to see the world, but really at the end of the day, it was that service. that service, it's larger than myself type thing, and I uh, wanted to serve our country. And really when I say serve our country, like uh, it's not really necessarily the ground that we walk on, but it's, it's the people that, that live in it, the people, the ideals that we live by, the freedoms that we live under. And our, our country was founded because men stepped up and, and, and fought for what was right, and then our our country has continued because men and women have continuously answered that call and went in harm's way. And growing up like that, that really spoke to me. I wanted, I wanted to, to serve our country. I wanted to be the one overseas in the foxhole, and, and I got to. I, I definitely have an honor and a privilege uh, to do that. But that's why, that's why I wanted to serve in the Marine Corps. Uh, I went to the United States Naval Academy, and that's where I met my wife. I think I got a picture of my wife I talk about her a lot because I love her. She's the one on the left, if you're looking from down there. Uh, we met at the Naval Academy. We both were studying engineering. She was way smarter than me. But uh, we graduated 2006 and 2007. I just became an officer in the United States Navy. I became an officer in the United States Marine Corps. And we, we a lot happened all of a sudden. We uh, we started our family. We got married. We moved out to San Diego area. And we started started deploying. We did five deployments. I did three deployments. She did two deployments. Uh, that was a lot. A lot was going on in that time. Uh, and that is our fourth deployment. Was She was gone. And it was a huge moment in my life. As I grew up, you know, my parents dragged me to church. Uh, I went to church because I had to, not because I really wanted to. But fast forward to that fourth deployment. It was a um, difficult time in our lives. And I actually started going to a, a church in San Diego because I wanted to raise my daughter, Lupe, who is also here. Going to church because that's what I did. I went to church growing up, and it was in that church that I I recognized and realized the magnitude of what it was that, that that God did and what Jesus, that magnitude that Jesus died on the on the cross for my sins, and that's that's when I really became a Christian, was saved, and when I made that decision to to follow Christ, and the timing the timing worked out very well for me for us because I I deployed to Afghanistan the uh, well, about a year after that, and so Afghanistan it was. Now, it was different. It was a unique experience for me, uh, different than anything I had done before. I led a small team of uh, five guys, if you include our interpreter, and we embedded directly into an Afghan army infantry company of about 120 soldiers, and our job was to train and mentor them during combat operations and the way it worked is we had there was one main base uh, where i was in Helmand province afghanistan Afghanistan's big but where i was in Helmand province it was a farming district they didn't have running water or electricity so you know let's kind of paint that picture a little bit and you, you saw the picture of mike Strom in the background it was kind of a desert environment with some mountains uh, it was beautiful I, th- I thought it was really beautiful but there was one main operating base that, that our military that we lived on the forward operating base and then what what we did is we would go there. It's where the headquarters was for our Afghan soldiers. And then all around the district, there were Army bases. And our job was to travel around and mentor all these soldiers and just you know, make, things, make sure things were going well. And we were a liaison to the Marine units in the area as well. So you know, we'd be at that, this base for a little bit, and then we'd head over to this base and then to this base. And, and we would just kind of go around. And I would, I would make that schedule. And don't, don't tell my boss this, but there was, at that main fob, there was a, a television that, that you can usually catch some of the football games. And when there was, like, a big Steeler game, I would make sure that we were at that FOB so, so we can watch it. <laughs> He's like, hey, why, why are you guys waiting a day to go out? It's like, oh, uh, no reason. We just got to fix the vehicle. <laughs> yeah, Don't worry about it. But um, we were operating for a while. And when, I, when we showed up to Afghanistan, in my head, I was a Marine with a group of Marines, you know, the, the best fighting force in the, in the world, right? I think everyone kind of considers their, their branch of service the best fighting force in the world. But, yeah, Marines, you now we show up. And I show up to the Afghan soldiers, and there, there was a lieutenant that I was going to be working directly with. He was in charge of this 120-man company. So he was the one that I was supposed to mentor and work with. And right off the bat, I came in and was like, don't worry. Don't worry, the Marines are here. Yeah, we'll tell you what to do. This is, this is, we'll tell you how to hold your rifle and how to patrol and where to put your bases. Don't worry, we're here. And uh, I went into that not, not the right way. He looked at me like I was crazy, and he's like, yeah, you guys got to sit over there. We'll keep doing our own thing. And we had, to change. we had to change things around a little bit. I realized, like, we couldn't just go in and tell them what to do. Like, we did not have a relationship yet. So Lieutenant Safiola, I got a picture of him, him and I, for the first, really, first two weeks of us being in Afghanistan, we spent... Hours and hours. I, basically, every, every hour that I was awake, I was with Lieutenant Safi, and we were getting to know each other. We were building a relationship. We weren't talking about operations. We weren't talking about where to put bases and how to patrol. And we were talking about our families, busting the pictures out and showing, them, hey, this is my wife, this is my daughter. got to see his family. got to, uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was pretty cool. Uh, I got to realize where he was from and, and why he joined the military, and, uh, and we got close because we spent time with each other. We spent a lot of time with each other. And uh, I use that now in a relationship. That's important to spend time with you, and that's uh, that's kind of how uh, that's how my relationship is with God. Uh, and if you notice, like in the in the Bible, there's so many verses in the Gospels where where Jesus goes off and spends time alone with God. And I, I just chose one: Luke five sixteen. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And over and over again, he does that. And that's an example for us. Because when you spend time with someone in that relationship, that's, that's when you hear them the best. That's when you're able to hear uh, what, what it is that, that um, yeah, what they want you to do. And, and um, I kind of modeled that off, off, after, after Jesus. But, um, so Lieutenant Safi and I, he, he began to trust me. We had this relationship. Things were going in a positive direction. And same, same with, with my guys. My guys, we were working with Afghan soldiers, kind of the same format. We got to know each other. And um, one day we were out. Like, we respected each other. One, one patrol, we were out. We were in a dangerous area. We were walking around one of the villages. And it was a longer patrol coming up to like five hours. It was towards the evening time. one of the soldiers came up to me. And he said, Captain Mac, my guys have to pray. And I was like, right now? Can't we just, you know, in my head, I'm like, can't we just wait until we get back? But um, and they were Muslim, and at that time, like, they really, they had to pray. So instead of saying, no, we can't pray right now, we're going to get shot at, was, what we did is all the Marines in the area spread, spread our team out, out around them, and we provided security for them so we could t- stop in the middle of this combat patrol and, and let them pray. And because we did stuff like that, they respected us. And I knew that we had their respect when there was, we went to our northernmost base, and it was a hard one to get to. And the next, the next village over was, it was. There's a lot of Taliban there, a lot of bad guys there. So it was a very important one. But we, we made our way up to this base and go up to this, this giant hill, and we get there. And I just see the Afghan soldiers working there. Their eyes lit up. They're like, yay, our Marines are here. And it was such a warm thing. One guy disappears. He comes back about 30 minutes later, and he's carrying a goat over his shoulders. I was like, well, that's kind of weird, but all right. <laughs> so you got a new pet? And he's like, no, I have dinner. And it, was, that, it, meant, it meant a lot because at that time, like, you know, they didn't have a ton of money. You didn't eat meat very often it's usually like rice and bread or some something uh, along along the line, those lines but he went uh, it was it was a treat he wanted to treat us to to goat. and i'm like well, we sat down and we ate goat together and i'm not gonna lie to you goat Goat doesn't taste very good. <laughs> I don't, but but I, I ate it, and we, we had that relationship. I, I love those stories. And then there are some other stories, but uh, that's how we, we grew close. Uh, and I, now this story I'm going to share with you, this is a scary story. December 9th, 2011, It's the day that my life really changed. And the day started like a normal day. We did final preparation to go on a patrol, and we went out on a patrol. It was myself and, and Mike Schramm, myself and Doc, and a group of Afghan soldiers. And uh, we went on our patrol. It's about a five-hour patrol. And every time I tell the story, the patrol gets a little bit longer. <laughs> and I was, I'm, I'm usually carrying more weight, too. But now we're finishing up our patrol. And as we're, we're heading back to our patrol base, I stepped on that IED. I, I, I triggered, I initiated that first improvised explosive device. Uh, triggered the explosion underneath my right foot. And I remember this experience very vividly. The violent force that picked me up and threw me to the ground. My ears were ringing. Very high-pitched ringing sound. I felt the wetness on my left leg. Up pretty high. I uh, didn't feel pain. Didn't know what was going on. I was conscious, but I was dazed. I had a concussion. Uh, I I could smell chemicals. I could taste the dust that landed it was settling on my on my lips. Opening my eyes, uh, I couldn't see the sky. And a second earlier, it's a beautiful blue sky. Now, not a cloud in it. Uh, or there's not. I, I can't see it because of the smoke and dust in the air. And that's when I started to really put it all together. That I was. I'm in Afghanistan. Oh my goodness. I just stepped on an IED. And I knew that I stepped on an IED because we had been operating for months. I, that We saw them a lot. And I was like, I stepped on an IED. I'm bleeding and I don't feel pain. And just for a moment, I thought that was it. And two thoughts went through my head. First, I thought I was going to get to go to heaven. And it, it wasn't... A scary thought it was more more curious than anything it's like i guess this is it and i I think i prepared myself for it maybe i don't know but that that was my first thought Uh, and then immediately after that i thought about my wife and and my daughter and that's when i got scared because there were still things on this earth that that i i wanted to do Um, as i was thinking about them mike came running over to me he came running over to me that it felt like three hours that whole experience it was 12 seconds he came running over as soon as the dust settled he was there and he was taking care of me because that's what we do. We take care of each other. And the Marines in the area, instead of running away from danger, they came to it because they knew that we needed them. And uh, I had two corpsmen working on me. Uh, Marines, just the, a couple of them went to, to provide security. A couple went to find a place for a helicopter to land. Everyone had a job or responsibility. Everyone was taking care of it. I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for it. And as I'm laying there praying that the helicopters get there quick, um, I heard the worst sound that I can hear at that time. Another explosion and it was behind me, but I, I didn't even try to look. I looked into my corpsman's eyes, and he just put his head down. And the other corpsman that I was working with immediately jumped up and ran ran over to him. Uh, and you're not supposed to do that because, like, you know, it was an uncleared minefield. You're supposed to clear a path to him before you work on him. But at that time, that Marine's life was more important to him than his own. And my corpsman, he jumps up and does the same thing. So now they're working on him, and helicopters are inbound. And I can hear him coming, and I see him coming. And as they're getting closer, we start to get shot at. So this bad day that already got worse now it is worse. And uh, initially they were called off, but the pilot I don't know who he is. He didn't know me. He didn't know that I was married with a daughter, but he knew that there were two Marines on the ground that needed him, and he made the decision that he was coming in. And he came in and landed between myself and Matthew Miller, and they put us onto the helicopter. Remember, I remember Mike handing over the card with all the information. Uh, just now, dude, is, he was amazing and in this chaotic experience. He was smooth as silk, and he was just—he was doing his thing. We took off. I'll always remember this helicopter flight. Uh, two reasons that stick out to me: one, that's when I, I knew that I lost the lower part of my right leg, and then two, when we were coming down. So it was myself and Lance Corporal Miller. He, 19 years old, his first deployment. He was laying next to me. Uh, same injury. And there was a crew chief kind of in the middle. And they weren't working on us because it was such a quick flight. It was a seven-minute flight. But as we start coming down, he starts to count down. He says, all right, guys, we got 30 seconds until we land. 25 seconds. 20 seconds. And at that point, Matthew Miller, he looks over at me and he says, Sir, you first, as in let them take you off the helicopter first. Now, he was going through the same pain, excruciating pain, the same struggle, the same challenge that I was in. He was able to look around and say, What can I do for someone else right now? Like that's service. That's the caliber that's the caliber of, of Marine and Soldier that we have in our armed forces right now. You know, that's character. I thought that was that was amazing. But uh, we landed and went into surgery, woke up after surgery, and I was missing my right leg below the knee, below the knee amputee, bandages on my left leg, arm, I was in bad shape, but I was alive. And this is what, what really, really starts started the next journey for me. And I think one, one thing um, that I, I want to share with you is in, in those initial hours, I had a lot of people. I had people praying for me, and I didn't even know. It. There were people praying for me that didn't even know that that had happened. I'm going to share a story uh, about my mom and, and uh, her women's group at church, Bible study and prayer team. But um, they were putting together uh, a box of cookies for us, for my team. So I cooked the cookies, I collected them. Uh, there was one woman that was going to take it to the, to the post office and, uh, and deliver it and got the address from my mom, my Afghanistan address. And they, they did it nice and early because the mail takes a while to get over into the combat zone. And she went to the post office, and um, she mailed the box off, and she leaves the post office, and she's walking to her car. And before she gets into the car, you know, she's reaching out for the handle. She just feels, she feels the urge. She, she, she needs to go back in. She needs to go back in and just pray over that box and pray for us over that box. So she does. You know, even though she's busy, she's got errands to run. She walks back in and and she says, You know, this this is gonna sound a little bit strange and I'm sorry about this, but I just mailed that box to Afghanistan and she explained it's going to a team of four guys who are you know, they're in a dangerous situation, dangerous situation right now and I just want to pray over that box. Can you can you get that box? Out, out for us. And the woman that was working behind the counter, she said yes, and she smiled. She said, yeah, definitely. And and I happen, I'm I'm a I'm a prayer leader at our church. And they she pulled that box out, and they they were around that box, and they prayed. They prayed for us and for our safety, and and uh, we didn't find out till later. But that was. That was on December 9th. And it was hours after, because of the time change, it was hours after I stepped on the IED when I was going through some of the hardest times of my life, some of the surgeries, that there were people praying for me. And to me, that... No, that's uh, that's God working. That's the Holy Spirit that that nudged her to head back in there. And Kenny's been doing a series on the Holy Spirit. And at first it's like, wow, that's amazing. That you know, it gave me the chills thinking about that. But really, that's no, not. You know, that's God at work. And there's a, a verse, Ephesians 6:18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Ephesians 6:18. You know, pray for everything. Pray for everything. I know. Third and fourth graders, we before we leave, right? We pray. Renee, remember last week what you prayed about? You asked me to pray about. Oh, it was it stuck with me. We, you know, we go around, we get some, we get some prayer requests. Sometimes it's for a sick cat, or sometimes it's for a family member, or running a race. It's usually never about school. I don't know why you don't care about like your test or anything. But last week, uh, Renee, she said. Can We pray for your leg to grow back, <laughs> and i thought I thought that I thought that was so cool and i I'd never really thought of praying for my leg to grow back, but hey, why not right? And, you know if you don't if you don't, so next week I'll be up here. I won't be on this prosthetic leg i'll be I'll be on two legs, you'll know hey, sometimes you- you don't know whether a prayer is going to get answered, but uh but God answers prayers in amazing ways, and uh I, I want to thank you for that, Renee that was special um but yeah, yeah, pray, pray always pray one you build your relationship and two you know god answers prayers uh that when i so when i stepped on that ied uh i before that i thought i was in control right i was a marine i was a marine infantry officer i felt the need to be in control i needed to know everything and like i i i handled everything right when i stepped stepped on that ied that force that picked me up and threw me to the ground like I knew immediately, I am not in control. I, to me, when I look back at that time, it was a, basically a physical representation of of the fact that God's saying, Eric, you're not in control, I'm in, in control. And really, since then, since that, that moment, I have let God lead my life. I have let God lead, lead my life. And he, is, he has done uh, truly, truly uh, amazing things. And uh, I, I like to, to look at life in a positive way. And another quick story about, about Lupe... and I've shared this story before, but um, my wife, she got that hard phone call on December 9th saying that I was injured. Lupe was only five years old at that time. She was in kindergarten, and the next morning before Lupe went off to kindergarten, my wife told her. She sat her down and said, Lupe, Daddy got hurt at work. Daddy lost one of his legs. Daddy's coming home. We need to be there for him to support him, and Lupe quickly asked the question, well, when when is Daddy coming home? And My wife said he's going to be home in about six or seven days, And, and Lupe she took about 10 seconds to process all this information, and then she smiled. And she said, Daddy's going to be home for Christmas. And I thought that was so cool because what was such a negative event for me and my wife and my parents and my friends, my little five year old daughter just so purely pulled something positive from that situation. And at first, you know, I was like, oh, okay, that's a kid's way of thinking. That, that's cool. But really, I knew I wanted to be around her because of that way of thinking. And that wasn't a kid's way of thinking. That was just her being grateful, her being grateful for what she had, her being grateful for the blessings in her life. It was a blessing that I, my leg was the only thing injured, right? And I, I think that, that teaches a lesson. Like, gratitude is important. And we can look around in our lives, and there are a lot of blessings in our lives that we can be grateful for. And I thank you for opening my eyes eyes to that, Lupe. But um, I think it's important. I realize that's that's the type of person that I want to be around. That's the type of person that I want to be. Look at look at things in the, in, a, in a positive light and look at those blessings first. Uh, I've had the privilege since then. You know, God's in control, and you know we pray a lot. But I've had the privilege to do some some really cool things, some amazing things. Um, uh, it just opened doors and opportunities. And I've always loved sports, right? And somehow I, got, and I ended up setting a goal to run and race in the Ironman Triathlon. And and 22 months after my injury, I got to go to Hawaii and race at the Ironman World Championships. And I got to come across that finish line. You know, it was... 11 hours and 54 minutes it was hard but it was such 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 a cool experience I've done 8 8 ironmans just a ton of other racings I get to travel around the world it was, this fall I raced in Spain Portugal and, and I'm sharing this with you cuz like that was a bit of a hobby right uh, at the same time while that was happening people started to ask me to to share my story <laughs> And it started with a Boy Scout troop and then a school. And then someone said, hey, can you come to my organization and talk to my company, talk to my leadership, talk to these people? And now, like Ken said, I, I get to travel around the country and and speak. Like, I'm an inspirational speaker. And I, what I get to do at each each event, each event is a little bit different, but I, I get to glorify God. I get to give credit to God. And I, I realized that this after that... Um, you know, I didn't expect. I never expected to be a speaker. I never really expected to run a triathlon. But God has used, uh, you know, this this in my life, this injury, moving forward, uh, in, in a way that that I get to glorify Him. And when I was injured, after I was injured, when I transitioned out of the military, it was hard. You know, we have some veterans here, and I I know that's one of the challenges transitioning out of the military. Like, why why is that so hard? Now it's tough because when you're in the military, when you're serving in the Marine Corps and the Army. Uh, Navy, whatever it is, you're serving a purpose larger than yourself. And I, I didn't, I didn't see it coming. But I transitioned out of the Marine Corps, then I was no longer serving that purpose. And I was like, man, I, I feel this gap, I feel this void. Uh, and it wasn't until you know I started, as I, as I continued to grow in relationship with God, that's when I realized, wait, I do have this purpose. I am serving this purpose larger than myself. My purpose, you know, it's not as I'm not serving our country overseas anymore, but I get to serve God each and every day. That's another thing. When I when I stepped on an IED and I thought I might be dying, I, my first thought was I get to go to heaven. Someone asked me about that. How did you know you were going to go to heaven? It's like, oh, I knew I was going to go to heaven because Jesus died on the cross as a sacrifice for my sins, and I, I believe that, and I know that. And when when uh, when I do die. You know, he he paid the price for me now I get to go to heaven and spend eternity with god and i I, I get to serve this purpose while i 'm here my purpose, my ministry. I get to travel around and and share Jesus with other people and it 's really an amazing thing uh, i I talked about Michael strom you know I, I read that citation he 's a hero he saved my life, uh, but let me tell you, Jesus saved my soul Jesus saved my soul, and he has given this purpose to me larger than myself and i want I hope everyone I hope everyone um, Moves towards that, moves towards that, and accepts Jesus into their life. And I'm going to pray uh, before I before I close out. I want to pray for us. And uh, if you would, just bow your heads with me. Uh, and if well, maybe today is the day that you accept Jesus into your life, and maybe not, but uh, why don't you say this prayer with me? And first off, I want to thank you, God, your heavenly Father. I thank you for for who you are. Thank you for um, you know, thank you for the veterans who have, who have served our country. Thank you for making the conditions right. Blessing, uh, blessing the experiences that I've had, in my family, and um, God. I, I just, I, I know I'm not perfect, and um, I, I know, and I, I, know that I sin, but I also know who Jesus is, and I know that He sent Jesus to die for my sins, and He lived a perfect life here on earth, and He died and was, and was, was, was suffered, and died, buried, and then He rose again, and uh, I just, I ask, I commit commit to following jesus and um, i ask you to work on my heart and can continue continue to uh, help me be more like jesus and um, oh god i want to thank you for for everything that you've given me and the opportunities they've had and uh, thank you for allowing me to be on the stage this morning to share to share a little bit about you in, in my life and as we go out into our communities god um yeah help us be help us be that example that um uh, people need to, to follow whether we're at work, at home, or with our families, God, and just uh, thank you for thank you for each and every person in this room. Uh, in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen.
2: Can we thank? Man, let's just thank Eric. We thank God for you, Eric. Uh, what we want to do as we close our service this morning is we want to honor all the veterans in the building this morning. If, uh, if you're a veteran here this morning, we'd like to ask you to come forward and stand and join with Eric down here this morning. So uh, if you're a veteran, please stand up and come forward this morning. We're so glad that you're here. Let's welcome them as they come. All right, all over the building there. Eric, why don't you bring them over here to the center. Come on over here, guys, and uh, if you'll have them introduce themselves, Eric, and, uh, and their branch of service.
3: Yeah, so if you guys can just share your name and then branch of service, that'd be wonderful. Thank you for your service. Thank you.
4: John Connell, U.S. Army, Military Police, 1967 to 1969.
1: Bill Cook. U.S. Army
4: uh, Mike McElvenny U.S. Navy <laughs> Keller Loman, U.S. Air Force
3: uh, Gentlemen, thank you for your service
2: Let's thank these men for their service Absolutely, all these
3: men here I grew up in uh, grew up in Bell Vernon. I live in Bethel Park now. Where do you live?
2: Okay. Sure. The, uh, our first service, it was wall to wall. that wrapped down, coming around both sides. Saturday night, there were a number of people here. We were just so thankful. It's, I, I feel safer going to church with men like these men. Amen? You know, it, just, it makes you feel good. And I thank God for your service. We thank you, men. For your service, and we thank all the men and women this weekend who have served the Lord so faithfully in our church, uh, in, in the service, and also we thank you for your service here at the church. So, uh, what a great message! Hey, amen. We thank God for Eric McElvany.
4: Tell
2: you what, when you when, when you hear you hear how God protected him, and God did that—that that was God because God still has a plan for Eric's life. And he's out there glorifying God. And, you know, he said in one of the services, he said that the Marines don't run away from trouble. They run to it. Like the guy who saved him, he wasn't afraid. He went right up to him, and risking his own life. And I just thought, boy, isn't that what we do as the body of Christ? Like we're not afraid. We have the power of God. So I'm so thankful for Eric's message this morning, what he did to share. And i just like to, let's close our service with that uh God bless America. Let's just let's just sing that this morning. We're so thankful for this land that we live in. You ready?
4: God, God.
2: God this morning. What a great God. Thank you for this land. Let's just pray. and I'm going to pray a special prayer over Charles today. Charles Rinsel is uh, serving abroad today, uh, serving around the world. I know, uh, and, and he's got a number of months before he's home yet. And so I think of you, Laura, thank you for your sacrifice as a, as a wife. And uh, let's remember all those active duty. There are many active duty out there today, and uh, we just let's go, close the Lord, close the service of prayer to the Lord. Father God, we come before you, and I thank you for these men, Lord, uh, the men and women around the world that are serving you right now, Lord. We we are so thankful for this great country that you have given to us. This is our home, sweet home. It is our land that you have given to us. And God, as we uh, serve the people of this country, Lord, I thank you for these men here this morning. We honor them and we thank you. We thank you for Eric's story. We thank you for his life, God, how that you spared him so that he could continue to honor and glorify you. You have a plan yet for Eric McElvenny. And I thank you that we're all able to be a part of that, that we we're able to reap the blessing of what you've done in his life. Thank you, Lord. Protect him as he travels and speaks. Protect him as he competes in these uh, Ironman triathlons. Uh, God, be be, uh, be the great God of the universe and continue to work mightily in these men's life. God, we think of Charles Renssel this morning, Lord, serving uh, far away from home today, Lord. We lift him up to you. We ask your blessing on him lord we think of all the other servicemen that we have servicemen and women out there lord we lift them up to you we know their families are making great sacrifices for them to do what they have they are doing today so god we ask your blessing upon these families and your protection around these men and women and we thank you for this land in your name we pray Amen. amen all right let's thank our veterans one more time as they head back to their seats God bless you. You are dismissed.